Thanks for listening to this episode of Fluff and Crunch. Today, Chris and I are going to talk about experience systems. Not only systems of how some kind of quantifiable means by which you grow or change your character, how it's earned, but also how it's spent. Those two sides of experience we talk about today. Thanks for listening to Fluff and Crunch, where we talk about the connection and sometimes disconnect between system, setting, and story in tabletop RPGs. Hello, Chris. Hi, Jeremy. How are you today? Uh, I'm better now for talking to you. There you um, go. You're not in traffic anymore, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna flex my fingers, and uh, and life will be good. You need one of these. I do need a yeah, but you're a really long way away. So well, I mean, I'm pretty sure you can. I mean, this. I mean, okay, this is probably made in China. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I have one. I can't read what it's made in. It's, I have a I have a little foam rubber uh, Abraham Lincoln bust. Let me see if I can. Hey, I didn't know you wore glasses. Oh, shit, that hurts. Technically, I, I don't, but I wear, I, I've got to the point where I need reading glasses to read. I got two shots in my enough. fingers because I have arthritis so. and I'm in a lot of pain right now. Well, anyway, let's get, a, let's get away from our, our, uh, our infirmities because both of us are long out of our, <laughs> uh, our, our warranty or return uh, period. You know, our, our respective wives, they, they don't have the receipt. They can't take us back. <laughs> Uh, so we'll get away from our infirmities and our, our failed fortitude roles and get to something more pleasant. Uh, no. We're going to talk about experience. And, and, and by the way, you have done no gaming in the last several days, uh, have you? I should be gaming tonight. So, yeah. Neither have I, because we're recording within the same calendar week. So, sorry, no games to report on. So, by next week, there will have been gaming. And I will be gaming on Saturday night, unless... Good, good. But we're going to talk about experience. That is, exper- various experience systems. How about experience paradigms? To make it sound very TED talky, I should have a picture of like, I should have a picture of like the Earth from orbit behind me, so I could look like one of those TED talk people. Anyway, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about experience systems and reflect on some of the the major ones. There really aren't that many in terms of like. I think the word like paradigm or, or something that that might not be too far off. Uh, and then maybe offer some ideas about things that we like and don't like. What's the purpose of an experience system? I think actually, I mean, it sounds silly, but peel back the layers. Yeah, what do you think? I think this is the problem that actually, one of the things I was thinking about with this is <clears throat> experience systems really should reflect what the game's going to do. And they don't. So what you get is you, you frequently get experience. So I, I'm kind of coming around about this way. For me, like I said to you earlier, so pre-recording, experience systems come out, you kind of break them down into them. There is how you gain the experience in whatever kind of currency or how you track it and what you do with it, which can be two different things. Now, sometimes those are massively interlinked in certain systems and other times like you have to do one to do the other. Um, and I think one of the issues straight away before we even get into what the different things are is really what experience systems should be thinking about is is this a game which is a long, long campaign going to be played over 10 years with the same characters? Because some games you could probably do that with in theory, or is this you're going to play 10 sessions and done? And they, and, and they don't, because obviously the designers don't know what you're going to do. So really most games should offer multiple ways. Um, but yeah, so jump around. So let's go with the most obvious ones. The most, to me, the most obvious things that I see, and then you can add extra ones, is 
most games give you XP. You do you do X, you get Y XP. And that's how that's how a lot, that's not all, but that's how a lot of games run. I think the two main differences of what we see with that then is we have our our leveled yep. games where when you've gained this many XP, ding, you level up. Ding, you level up again. Or the ones where kind of like 2D20, a lot of other games where if you gain you gain so many XP at the end of a session, and then you can spend this much XP to level this skill or this much XP to level this attribute, or this much XP to gain another talent or a spell or whatever. And those tend to be, that tends to be for the skill-based systems. And obviously we have, you know, the classy level-based systems. And that's kind of, that's your basics. And then, but this is the kind of what you were hinting at. That's kind of all we've really seen in sort of 40 years of role-playing games. I can think of one other big way of doing it, but that's, you know, where I, I was when I was thinking more. about this in, in preparation for recording, I was thinking like, what's the purpose? Forget about the form, but what is the purpose? And I, and I got to thinking like, I I get it in literature. You know, we have we have plenty of examples in fiction, like fantasy fiction and sci-fi fiction, of protagonists who they gain abilities they didn't have before. You know, maybe they, and, and maybe that's supposed to reflect like, oh, you really dug down deep in that clutch moment and you found a way to solve the problem. Or maybe you like, you figured out like, you know, some kind of story in which, you know, the protagonist is learning magic and they make some major breakthrough and they, they're able to now do something else. Like, okay, I see that reflected in, um, in literature. I don't see that in like the, the original boilerplate for D&D being Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. You know, Aragorn doesn't get better. Aragorn just does Aragorn stuff. Uh, and so I, yeah. I, I, I understand yeah, I on the yeah. one hand and also as a, as a reward system for, for players uh, and a sense of progress that can be quantified. And maybe that's, maybe that's, rooted in or maybe mired in the wargaming roots of the the hobby from a mechanical standpoint because there are i mean there aren't war games like your panzer doesn't get better in panzer blitz from avalon hill that's the thing see you're right in the D comes from war games mm -hmm. but war gaming does not have this but it has lots of numbers i can't think of war games that it has lots of numbers, but war games, you know, you yeah. put your models on the tech, these are your good things, these are your bad, but they no. don't like, they don't no, like level up. Battleship doesn't get and I actually think a lot of this comes from, yeah, D&D &D being sort of the first one. I mean, yeah. we can't ask Gary why he and the other people, why they did what they did. Yeah. I think you're right. I think it's a reward system. It's to, it's to give you progression as well as the story. Well, I think part of the thing is originally, maybe there wasn't a story. It was you go in the dungeon, you kill some stuff, you come out, you should have rewards. So you yeah, get what do you do gold or treasure. Mean? And your character gets your character gets better, and everybody since then has pretty much gone. Yeah. Well, well, that's how role playing games have to work. You have to have character creation, you have to have combat, and you have to have character progression. Because if there's no character progression, it's not a role playing game. And, and it's then, and not just and what we mean by character progression is concrete mechanical, yeah, mechanical increases. So increase that which you have, and then also add to the number of add yeah. to what you are. And then we see this computer game. So all kind of computer role players have taken the same thing and you know they have levels or they don't have levels but they have the same thing you can't it's it's rare now that you find a computer game where you just play it from start to end just with a story they all have to have yeah. you have to level up and you have to gain abilities and you have to gain extra stuff um i mean it's, it, giving the players a sense of reward makes sense 
But in terms of, like we said, literature, I wouldn't even say you get that in fiction. Like you said, Lord of the Rings, e even don't. probably Frodo and Bilbo, uh, Frodo and Bilbo, Frodo and Sam don't level up. Arguably the only two characters that level up would be, would be Peppy, uh, Peppin and, Pippin and Merry. <laughs> because they they do actually level up they they learn to fight they physically get taller um you know they they actually have growth no one else does sam isn't well, any could, better at the end than he is at the start in, in just, a weird way you could say that gandalf uh picks up if we were going to go uh, by he picks up a prestige <laughs> class i was gonna say that's what he does yeah, he if does. you're going back to, to to you know 3x uh he picks up a prestige class yeah. when he chases um, the balrog i think the thing is there are there are it's almost like what you should have is a, a character class that has leveling and character classes that don't or some kind of mechanic for that because you think it's like well, i like star wars as a good one. well if we, if we do our two class ones we like come about star trek and stars right in star trek in almost all of the star trek there is no leveling up other than rank and even then, like Riker, did, did Riker level up in seven series plus a bunch of films? No, he was Commander Riker for all that time. Yeah. Now, some of the others did. Some of the others got like half a pip or a pip of a level. That's about it. But, but they didn't but really level up. They didn't learn the new difference, skills or get better. It's not like, you know, when, when Mr. Worf, when he moved to Deep Space Nine at the beginning of the fourth season after Next Gen had, uh, had gone off, I mean, I guess you, you, you could say as a, you know, if he were a character at that point, you might add a focus in like, you know, security operate, but he'd already been security chief. I'm not, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's, cause remember there's, there's a story side to it where the character grows within the story, but must that be accompanied by mechanical increases of that, which the character already has and increases in the number of different special things the character can do yeah i mean the only... I, now i remember i remember the old fossa star trek game the first one that i played almost 40 years ago that had a, a traditional experience system and I'll, I'll come back to what i mean by yeah. the traditional experience system here in a moment i was gonna say so if then we look at because like literally in star trek i was thinking trying to think, who, who really levels up i mean because even like you know data has a lot of personal growth like you're talking about and story growth he has no real he doesn't get better at doing anything over the time. Nope. I was thinking Nog in Deep Space Nine. He kind of does. But again, this is an age thing. It's a kid thing. He's a kid. And as he gets older, he goes to, you know, start, he does this and he does that. And then he goes to Starfleet Academy and he's actually, yeah. he's been trained. And then yeah. the classic example is, is Luke Skywalker in the Star Wars. But no one else levels up. Chewbacca doesn't mm -hmm. level up over 30 years. The droids don't. Leia, well, Leia doesn't during the original films. Han Solo doesn't. And he doesn't even level up in like the next 30 years between that it, it's and, like and the other one. There are, Luke does. There are stories there. Like he, he goes from, you know, Han Solo smuggler pilot to general solo. You'd say like, but it's, I think it's the same character it is, yeah. with just different dimensions of it um, under the spotlight. But like, I mean, Luke goes from farm boy to now he's a rebel warrior and he can fly, which he couldn't yeah. really do. And he can use the lightsaber a bit to then he's a Jedi to then he's a Jedi master. That guy has incredible character growth. But while he's having all that character growth, everybody else is getting none. Right. Well, here's, so, let me, I want to yeah. take a look at, because, I mean, here, here we're talking about this, you know, different, different means of, of experience gathering and that this really unexamined norm that characters will get mechanically better 
over time. Like that is that maybe even more attractive than rewards within the story. Like, oh, you now have a keep with some flunkies and stuff like that. Maybe even more than that, the mechanical rewards and that kind of min-maxing, power gaming, munchkin, drive Jeremy crazy approach to gaming where you're playing six levels out. <laughs> that kind don't get me started. Um, I, I it, it's almost like that's not even examined. That as a norm isn't even examined. It's like that's just that just is. So I want to go back and look at where did that is come from, and I'm looking at page twenty of the first edition D and D Player's Handbook where we have the cleric, and I'm looking at and this is back in the the olden days when uh, character classes in D and D had their levels had names. Like a first oh, level yeah, cleric is an acolyte, that. second oh, level is so an adept, then a priest, then a curate. For some reason, fifth fifth level has no name. You're a canon when you hit sixth level. You hit, you become a llama at seventh level and a patriarch at eighth level. So you're Greek Orthodox. You're I mean, you're kind of all <laughs> over the place. You're all over the place. Um, and then there's just the nebulous high priest from their point that that point forward. And a couple of things stand out to me that in earlier editions of D&D, and this ended with third edition, different character classes had different experience um, thresholds. Yeah. So, for example, you make second level as a cleric when you hit 1,501 experience points. <laughs> However, if you're a druid, it takes 2,001 to hit second level. Um, fighters are 2,001. Uh, paladins take 2,751 Good. to hit second don't level play a don't play a paladin um and uh and, and on from there rangers to, uh 2251 and so you you got a couple of things going on here at least a couple of things jump out to me forget about what happens at each level it, it's interesting that nowadays like th this seems to be like i think people would blanch at this yeah. the idea that your my magic user wizard is going to progress more slowly than your fighter I don't think, you know, whatever. Well, everything's got to be balanced. We have an episode on balance where we gripe about that. So I think uh, with this one, I think, but then again, I guess it just depends how you're getting the XP. So nowadays, a lot of systems, basically all the players will get more or less the aim XP. Mm -hmm. you did, did the party complete the goals? You get this XP. Yeah. Um, and then maybe you get thrown some extra, a little bit of extra XP for role playing or something. But back then you got XP for who killed who healed the monsters who found the stuff who did the trap all that kind of stuff so what's interesting about this system is a couple of things one the progression rate is going to be different between uh characters two which actually in a way well never mind the other thing about it that that stands out to me is that this is based in killing things and taking their stuff yeah. in fact in the original the oldest version of D&D, there's no experience for like problems solved or negotiation. Like you have to, you have to take its stuff, which means in most cases you have to kill it. Um, and then you, you gain a level. Uh, and then, so that's, that's how you gain it. Now, when I looked at others, like the first game that I ever played that was skill-based, it was not level-based was um, Star Frontiers. Mm-hmm. And you gain experience um, through defeating enemies, um, not necessarily killing them, but it's ba it, that was less, I remember the experience system and that was less tied so closely to like the stats of the thing you defeat. 
the first one I can think of would be like sort of Star Wars. And I'm pretty sure that was the first that, that I don't think that gave you XP at all for defeating things. I'm pretty sure the XP came from from mission objectives. Yes. Yes. If you complete this mission objective, you get so many. I don't know. They were probably called experience. It, it, even any system which calls them anything other than XP, I just head cannon. I call them XP. Yeah. Um, let's just we're not going to use, you know, and I, know I know different and, systems, but yeah. XP. And that's how a lot of systems I've seen since worked. You get so many, you, if you complete this objective, you get XP. You do this part of the story, you get XP. You did something, you know, some systems will throw you XP for you made someone laugh. Yeah. And, and I think, like I was saying, in terms of modern stuff, I'm not, I'm not seeing changes now. Like, the, you know, if we look at 2D20, 2D20 is the same. You, you get, it says you get XP for doing, you know, right, playing a session, you get XP. If you've done something in the session, you get this. Some some games I've seen, you know, kind of cool things like um, every everybody vote uh, if we've learned something, you get XP for that. Or everybody say who who did something cool, but then you can just you know you just game the system. Well, no, I mean I think you're right. The vast majority of of games out there, the ones that I'm familiar with, um, that I, that I, when I say familiar with, like that I've played and or run at least a few times and own the books enough that I can go reference things. It. it yeah, you're you are given concrete, quantifiable rewards, points, XP, for story rewards, for 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 meta and story things. So things that your character did and things that you, the player, did, and then obviously the blurry space between those. And then you turn around and we'll get to what happens with it. You you turn around and spend it. Yes. There really aren't that, that it really hasn't changed. The the one major uh Standout in that is is Star Trek Adventures, and I'll we can talk about that in a bit. You were about to say something? Yeah, I was just say a couple. The the only other things I've seen recently, one is is milestone leveling, where you much more straightforwardly go at the end of a session. This thing, how when you hit this particular point. Now, some things do this well, like this is where level based games actually are quite handy. You can go at the end of a session, you level up. Yeah, so you don't have to track XP. Yep. Just we're leveling up now. Done. Easy. Um, but then I've seen milestones things used not as well. So like the fate games and some of the Cortex Plus games would use, you know, milestones. But it'd be right at the end of a session, you've hit a, a minor milestone. You can move some stuff around. When you've got to yeah. such and such thing, now you have a major and, and it would start getting really complicated and awkward. And you're like, oh, we're not really leveling up at all. The one game I have seen, it's not recent now, um, but Dungeon World, which played powered by the apocalypse. In that system, every time you fluff a roll, you gain an XP. And when okay. you fluffed, when you, I think you can gain XP other ways, but one of the easiest ways to gain XP was, was making a mistake. So if you, if you fail a roll, you mark an XP. And I think you could also gain XP mm -hmm. for doing, you know, adventure type stuff, um, which would mean the players would not level up at the same time. But I did quite, that was, that was different. That was right. You've something bad happened to you, right? Well, you've learned from your mistakes, you get to mark an XP. And when you hit 10, you level up. And I always thought that's, I like that. I don't think it would work in lots yeah. of systems, but it was a, it was a nice idea. And one of the rare times I've seen something different from the standard, you get XP for doing this stuff. And then there's, like you said, the, the different ways that we can spend or what happens when you gain the XP. Um, but I feel like a lot of games haven't, there's a, haven't done a lot with it. That's not true. There is one other one, no, but you wanted to do Star Trek. So you do Star well, Trek and come back. Well, is well, I actually, I'll, I'll hit. I'm not going to hit Star okay. Trek right now. I, I think, I think this is a, this is actually an, a really interesting, not a sticking point, but a, a a moment to pause. It, you know, really, by and large, the vast majority of systems, the the way, 
um, the way experience is gained has changed a little yeah. bit. It's not just kill stuff and take their things. And then there's this addition of this meta player side of it. There's the character story side, and then there's the meta player side and different avenues to gain experience. But essentially it's since the beginning, since the 1970s, it's been the same. That is a quantifiable number of points that you then turn around and spend in some way, shape, or form. And I, and I, I see two major subdivisions of spending. I do want to point out one, uh, one game, a little-known sci-fi game from that wasn't written by Modiphius, but is published by them, called Elite Dangerous, which is based on a ye olde computer game. I'm aware of it because my best. It's not based on the old one. It's based on the new version. Yeah, yeah. Which my friend then kickstarted this game and made us play it, and it's terrible. Well, it's odd. I mean, it's a it's a, it, so it has uh, the, the way you do experience there is the first time you use a skill, you check it off. And then er, at the end of every session, every skill you use gets one point added to it. Yeah. And for every 10 point, like you could have a skill of 63 and something. And then until, you, so then you're at plus six to your roll. When you hit 70, you'd be plus seven to your roll. So there's this slow progression where you can, you can see a threshold coming. Um, but it's, yeah, it, it, it's based on you gain skills in the thing, you gain like ability that. in the skills that you use. Now you've mentioned which, that I have seen other games that have done a similar to things like mm -hmm. you tick the, the skills you use and then at the end yep. of it, you can choose to improve those, which again is... A, or like you mentioned, the ones, like if you failed, yeah, this whole that, idea that, hey, you could learn from failure. That, that, True. That's, a, that's a better system. I mean, there's, there's this classic, one of the loads and loads of computer games have still still use D&D-style leveling. You do so much random stuff, whether it's kill monsters, fight, blah, 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 and you gain XP. And then when you've gained so many XP, you can unlock something or you get a box. Um, famously, the Elder Scrolls games, which, of course, we keep banging on about saying, bring that to 2D20. Mm -hmm, yeah. That is not how they level. 2D, uh, Elder Scrolls levels up, like you just said. The more you use a skill, that skill levels up. So you're constantly running yeah. around jumping. You never walk anyway. You jump everyone because then you level your jumping skill. Although, well, here, here's the and and you just you just implied it. I, I would think the downside of yeah. that is that then you get these character these players that turn their characters into one trick ponies, yeah. and every you know if you have a if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail after a while. And um, I I like the idea. I like the idea of, of trying to balance between letting letting players play their characters the way they built them, but also incentivizing them to be creative and not to become those one-trick ponies. Now, Star Trek, the newest Star Trek, Star Trek Adventures, takes a very different approach. And then there's the, I believe it's somewhat revised version of it that is in the rules digest that comes in the tricorder box that's the one that we're going to use in my star trek adventures campaign um and uh and that's based around these character plot connected milestones and very very closely tied to um one's values i know you're not hip on values and i know they're 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 kind of they're they're more complicated and, and less concrete than they seem but the idea is that by doing things that are in accordance with or directly clash, like having experiences that either bolster or challenge your core values, you grow as a person. I mean, that's an assumption. But so what? It's a, that's the assumption they're working from. And then over time, you can improve your character, but you primarily have options to 
change your character. So instead of adding to the total number of stats, you just can you can shift them around, re- reflecting that your character is still the same person by and large, but is changing in focus over time. Like you could raise one skill or discipline rather by decreasing another one. And over time, there are ways to actually increase them. I also like the fact that because the, the you know your ship is supposed to be a character in mm-hmm. effect, um, that you can spend <clears throat> when you gain experience, you gain the you, you don't so much gain points as you gain access to these milestones, and then at each milestone you have a menu of options. Yeah. And this is our first chat on like, well, what do you do with it now that you've gained these things? Where do they go? And so over time, you can do the shifting about of points, and then over time you can actually add to them, but you can also choose to do things like the same to your ship or add something to your ship, which could be a reflective of something that happened in the story. You can even um, improve uh, supporting characters, which are really important in a long-term Star Trek Adventures campaign as you flesh out the rest of the crew on your ship or your station or or whatever. And, uh, And I like how that... I like how that seems to work out or seems that it will work out on these, uh, the, 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 how they're described in that rules digest. So we're going to give that a go. And that's different. That's yeah. really different. But let's talk about that. What do you, okay, now that you've gained experience, traditionally just by killing stuff, now mostly differently, but pretty much the same way across the vast majority of game properties, what do you do with the experience? Let's comment on that. Well, let's stay on the 2D20 stuff because I've got a way of then coming yeah. back to the other system. Um, most okay. 2d20 games are going like you get you know you get so many xp or if you, if you complete an objective you get 100 xp or you get whatever and then you yeah. spend that on things so you you know and the rules will say oh well to increase your skill cost this much to buy a new talent cost this much to increase an attribute yep. cost this much um the thing with those and it's and i've heard in in and, and same problems like with genesis lots of other systems like this is that the, the book gives you one one amount. This is how much you get, and this is how much it costs. There is no allowance in those systems for how long are you going to play the game. So I th- the problem you get in those games is so like we played Conan last week, and rules as written, we were meant to get about 200 XP each with which we could increase the skill from like level zero to level one. And that was it. So then we're looking at, right, so if we played it for 10 sessions, we, we might be able to improve one attribute by one point and maybe increase like a level three skill to a four because that was going to cost a fortune. And that was just expertise, not focus. You thought, this, this rate of gain is, is tiny. Yeah. So then you think, well, maybe we need to increase the rate of gain. Now, the alternative, though, if, I, if we played these Conan characters, let's say, for two years and we played every week, at the end of those two years, those characters are going to be insane. And this, yeah. a lot of people have said this about Genesis things. So like particularly Star Wars, where you had those talent trees that if you only played a mm-hmm. few sessions, the characters didn't feel like they were progressing. But if you played for a really long time and you really went through those XP, then you start getting a situation where all your skills are maxed out. You've bought all of the talents. Your characters are now uber powerful, um, yep. which, which doesn't really fit those kind of systems. And actually what you need to think, and I really wish they'd put this at the start of those kind of systems to actually say, right, on an average, you know, this is what we perceive. We perceive that you should play, if you play these characters for 30 sessions uh, and you're expecting at the end of 30 sessions the characters to be sort of this skilled, this is what we should do. Because the difference is, and if we talk about D&D, when you talk about D&D, you talk about zero to hero. But when we talk about these skilled-based things, we generally perceive that our characters start off quite skilled and get 
a bit more skill. But that's not mm -hmm. the truth. The truth is, it's how long you play those characters for. Because if you play these characters for ages, they're going to end up crazy sure. skilled. Um, well, it also depends, like like you just implied. I was going to say, you how generous, do this. <laughs> how generous a GM is in doling out experience um, and having some kind of advice from the publisher would be helpful. I mean, we've seen that with, um, what is it, like story-based um, uh, leveling approaches in in D&D uh, &D and in Pathfinder, less so Pathfinder, where it's suggested if you want to have a, if you, if you want your characters to progress quickly, you should do, th this is how often at session breaks you should offer them levels. Uh, if you want to do it more slowly, it's this way, whatever. So there is advice um, is how to do that. Now, the interesting thing I, that I find with, and I just realized this, I hadn't thought this before, maybe this is why level-based, this is why, let's just call it 5e, the level-based system. This is why it doesn't fit every freaking story property that gets squeezed into it. The idea that there is a level and this, this, this notion that once everyone hits this threshold of, of activity, of experience through activity, you're going to get this package with a few options at some points and everyone is going to increase in this this very noticeable like large grained increment from you know something you know up to, up to a higher quote unquote level the the question of how quickly should be tied to how how yeah how quickly how much oh, yeah. are you going to how quickly you're going to gain experience which then obviously dictates how quickly you can spend it and how quickly your character can grow taking this you know 800 pound gorilla approach to to experience that pretty much every game uses how long you're going to play those characters really yeah. matters well that's why i think actually i mean because I'll, I'll i don't know how many people actually think i'll go like to that. level one and then i'll come back to dnd fallout which obviously is a 2d 20 game does have levels yeah it does. and it does have xp now it says in it you can either use the xp and this is what you gain it for or you can just uh, and in fact, the rules on gaining XP are a bit vague. Um, I know they may probably in a different route, but they have milestone progression as well. But essentially, when you level up, you always get, you gain extra health. You can choose to level up one skill, regardless of what it's on, which I prefer, and you gain a perk. Now, I like that. And for the same reason, that's, this is why I don't mind D&D, &D, because actually, I don't mind level-based systems, partly because it makes it easier to know, right, how long are we going to play this system for? Yep. Now, if someone says, right, well, we are going to play these characters for a year. We're going to have 50 sessions, right? So you can go, right, okay, so 50 sessions. So we want to hit level 20, uh, I know, after 45, and then you can work that back. Or you can say, actually, we don't want to do that. We want to start at level three, and we never want to go higher than level 10 because we know the game breaks at that point. So we're going to, you know, we're going to go in a curve, maybe. We're going to level quickly, start, and then we're going to slow off the leveling. And it means you can do a lot of things much easier. And it also, it, it's easier for the, G, the GM knows that, like, right, my players are this. Like, I know we've said we don't really agree with balance, but it does still give yeah. them, right, my players are this level. And in two sessions time, they're going to be this level, which means that I can send these things out. Whereas when you've got like a points by system, people are often, well, I'm just going to, like you said, I'm going to max out this one ability. I'm going to be crazy good at this ability. I'm going to be garbage yeah. at everything else. But now my character is not really fitting into any kind of scale thing at all, which is why a lot of systems then, as you level up a thing, you, you know, it becomes more expensive, the more points you want to pump into the same thing, um, which is, you know, that's, that's awkward. 
uh, that that's you know that's it makes it hard to level up so i mean i haven't seen a system i think that works super great and one of the things i find funny is that we're sort of all these years in and D still basically treats other than saying you can do milestone leveling um and the, the, the you know the idea of every level should have something interesting other than that that hasn't changed but i i don't know they still treated yeah. yeah i don't have an issue with class-based systems partly because it makes it easy other than the silly thing you have if you were playing for a very long time you would have so many sessions with nothing and then suddenly you become right. massively more powerful or you 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 get there too quickly yes you play longer than you anticipated and then there's this sense of stagnation yeah which maybe maybe your players would come around and be like okay we're, we're good we don't need to grow anymore now let's just focus on the story like we've gotten that done in in the past i've always bashed the cypher system because i don't like it i just think it's a bad knockoff of d20 yeah. and you've got rid of some of the good stuff and add and generally i don't like it but actually their 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 leveling up system i quite like because theirs kind of goes right you you don't level up you can kind of level up it's sort of sub level ups you can kind of like here's the things you can take you can choose a new ability or you can choose a new skill thing, or you can choose. So there's kind of a menu of different things, yeah. and when you've taken enough of them, then you level up fully. Um, I, I quite, I, I yeah. like that. I thought that was that's that's not a terrible way of doing it. Instead of suddenly leveling up in one go, um, you level up in little bits. That that's fine. Well, it's like the idea. In, instead of instead of the level which is achieved by reaching a, an XP threshold, and then the level gives you a package. You do yeah. these, you you gain these incremental pieces, and then once you've assembled the package, now you jump up a level, and then that brings with it something. Like I, I can yeah. I can see that. I mean, it's you're you're just coming at it from a different angle. Maybe that just that just blows a little bit of dust off the yeah, normal um, normal way of doing. Savage things. Worlds actually leveling on that isn't bad because you do kind of you go up a level, and at a level is a sort of a bunch of stuff you can choose, but you can choose one, and sort of every five yep. levels you can only have like one stat increase. So that kind of thing yep. is the kind of, and this again, this is why I don't mind level systems. The problem with D&D, &D, I think, is that you only have 20. You kind of feel like, well, you can actually do it like 100 levels and you only get things at certain levels. I mean, I've done that with things. Yeah. I've, I've applied that to games like, I would do it to 2D20. Uh, and I've done it to like to Genesis, kind of going, right, well, we're going to use levels. And at le this level, you get this thing or you get these choice of things. Because actually leveling provides a bit more structure, even if it's not realistic. Kind of makes it easier for the GM. It makes it easier for the players. Instead of it choosing does. everything, um, you can choose this one thing. You'll notice too. I mean that you know when we talk about that quote unquote balance or in just encounter design, your level based systems do have an advantage, whether it actually comes out in you know true or not in, in practice. But they do offer the advantage of some kind of mechanical side to saying, okay, this is going to be a hard encounter or an easier encounter it's a lot more difficult to do that in a skill-based system because the characters are so are so different and there isn't a, a single metric that you could say this is this is how i define how much oomph this party can can dish out because i average their levels or i did whatever you know that there you can't really do that in a skill-based system so I, I agree that that's that offers an advantage. Like Octum Cthulhu does a thing where it's like it gives you options. Each each uh, advance or whatever it's called, you pick one of a couple of options to use. And then some of them are eventually yeah, going to top like out them. and you won't, like attributes and skills, they all have maxes. So you won't be able to do more of those. But same kind of thing. It's like you, you, you hit a threshold and then you have a menu of options from which to choose. You know what game did have a really interesting leveling system? The old Warham Warhammer Fantasy role playing. 
I, it's been so long since I've looked at that. So the thing with that is you would start off with prop, well, if you, unless you were lucky, you would start off with something really garbage. Like you would be a grave digger. Or you oh, I had the first edition version. Like I remember like there was a circus strongman. You like you ate raw yeah. meat. But the thing where you'd have on that is on your mm -hmm. character, as well as the like the bonuses you get for like getting that character, you would have like a, a lunch thing. These are the things you can choose to increase. You can increase this stat by this much and this stat by this much. You can increase these skills and you can earn these talent type things. And after you'd bought so many of them, you could choose to go into your next career. And then you take yeah. your next career. And all your next career really was was a bunch of other different stat things and other yeah. skills and stuff you can buy. And you would go through that. Um, now that's a funny one because that never really matched up to the the setting because the setting was kind of like you have these people that are like big heroes and then you have these lots of sort of rubbishy people and your players would then sort of move their way up over time and become like much more powerful. And it never made sense how you'd go from like, I'm yeah. going to go from being a grave digger to right now, I'm going to be this fighter thing and I'm going to go to this other one. Right. But the, the concept of how it worked mechanically was interesting you know you you could go right well i i need to take this this advance and this advance because then that will be enough to then take me into this next career um and so rather than you know you're not min maxing you're picking the things that gets you to the next thing and you're you know almost like a real oh i i know i have to do this job to be able to get to this job which gets me to this job yeah. um that, that that was interesting it, it was it was different but again you had to play for quite a while to be able to to see that progression and i think actually that's that's my biggest issue with experience any kind of experience system is really when it comes back to what you said that what what is the purpose if the purpose is to reward them some systems just don't some systems they don't either they give you too much or not enough xp or they level you up too fast or too slowly and really a lot of games should be a lot better at kind of saying actually this game doesn't need to level up and this is an argument what I've seen happen a lot, particularly with superhero games. Yeah. So with like the new Marvel game, obviously it was only a playtest, and it vaguely had implied that you could level up these ranks, which they've now basically got rid of. Um, and when they got rid of it, people said, "Well, now now you can't level up." And a lot of people went, "Well, superheroes don't level up." Yeah, of course they do. Superheroes level up, and you're like, "Really?" Last time I checked, Spider-Man, fifty years later of real time, and God knows how many of you know Marvel time, is still you know has the exact same powers yeah. he's always had he basically has the same suit he's had you know ups and downs everything that's happened to him has been story progression you know he's yeah. he's got married and then got divorced and rewritten time and then he's in a business he's like it's all story progression none of it's you know he is basically still the same peter parker he has always been mm -hmm. superhero is a perfect example of a genre where they don't again the no. young ones do someone like um kitty pride or jubilee or Robin. But not that much. Well, so Robin's a brilliant example. They did. Okay. Robin went from being Robin to being Nightwing. He went from being a you know, Batman sidekick Granted, to being like junior superhero to yeah, legit superhero. Highly thought right. of as being potentially leader of the Justice League. He he properly leveled. But again, it's a it's a youth to adult thing. Yeah. And we don't Here, see that in games. We see I, adult to way better adult. That's not yeah. real life. Yeah. It's just weird, but that here's what I'm going to throw out there. I, I'm, I think that okay. the traditional approach to experience, I think it's bad for the story because I, I think it incentivizes people to focus on bits and not character and story. I get it. Yeah. Um, but I've seen it over time where people are like, where are my points? I, I want to get better. And you're like, it's, it's not like that. We're focusing on the story. So here's what I'm going to throw out there, and this is something that I'm going to figure out and, and test in my Star Trek Adventures game. 
I mean, I think the milestone system tied to values, you know, odd as it is, I think, I think fits that property. And it's far better described in the rules digest than in the core rule book. But I'm going to add an option. And that's to, um, to spend on persistent truths that are, can, are, you know, a trait in the story, like buying a contact or buying an ally or buying some kind of a connection, which then, I mean, potentially yeah. if you go to, I mean, look at, there's precedent for it actually in the character creation system with the career events. Like one of them is like, you know, befriended by alien race. Okay, great. So you pick that up as a, as a, um, as a trait or truth. I'll just call them truth. I know they're not called that in Star Trek Adventure, but I'll, that's what I'll call them. I mean, what's wrong with you have a, let's say you have a, a, a station-based adventure where you your ship's crew assists the station's crew in fighting off some kind of alien menace. What's wrong with spending, making concrete? I have an ally in the tactical operations officer at that station. You know, like in, in Old Vampire, where you bought with your background points contacts and allies. Contacts gave you information, allies give you assistance. There's a similar mechanic in Knights Black Agents. Why not do that? I mean, 2D20 with the whole truths system, I think is ripe for it. But that would then encourage players to leverage their story and game experience to create more story rather than just a mass, you know, like I can, my biceps are one inch bigger around kind of thing. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think, you know, you kind of, I think it's a conversation you need to have at the start of a set of games or a campaign, right? Yeah. Are we having leveling? Are we not? Is the story going to be more important or is your character growth? And do you want your characters grow yeah. by getting a better rank or meeting people or contacts or improving their standard in society or having more money to buy cool stuff? Or do you want mm -hmm. them to mechanically get better? Because certainly like playing with Mika and Annie, giving them XP, like, oh, yeah, XP, I know I did well. They're not really bothered about making their characters better, though, other than like Annie wants a better gun or a second right. gun or nicer looking clothes. What she really wants is money, just like the real world. I mean, you know, in the real world, we do stuff so we get paid so we can buy nice stuff and have a nice standard of life. But people aren't really into like, I'm yeah. going to go and like, and if you want to get better, you go and do it. So really, maybe we should be looking at like downtime activities as a segue to next episode. Maybe we should look at downtime activities. So that's how you level up rather than, you know, you killed a bunch of monsters. Yeah, fair enough. You kill a bunch of monsters and so now you should be better at killing stuff. How come you suddenly just learn a new spell and, and a bunch of other things? Yeah. Yep. Yep. That, that's one of the biggest problems I had. And I mentioned that before. All of a sudden it just, this new, very like out of the blue ability, just it just pops yeah. up. Suddenly you can do this and there's no, there's no explanation for it. But I'm going to try that out with my with my Star Trek game. Um, I'm going to give them the opportunity to to buy, as I said, like like a persistent trait, persistent truth, mm -hmm. in the form of whatever. I mean, it, you know, and I think that could be those could be created from the from the droppings of a story, you know, from the crumbs that are around a story we just finished, connected to a player's or character's background, or the kinds of things they want their character and ship to do over time so like looking backward looking around them or looking forward and then they spend to say i have this contact or or i have this connection or 
Yeah, I'm th- or maybe I have this cool thing that like nobody else has. You know, and I know that you know the, the post material. You have all all the crap you want in Star Trek. There are still unique items. I'm, I'm thinking I may well go. I'm not even looking at the Cohen NXP anymore because it didn't fit what we were doing. I think I may well hmm. go right. Well, let's check off skills that we use during the session, and at the end of it, we can bump a bunch of them because we're not going to play for long. But that at least makes more sense as, right. as opposed to. Well, I could really do with some points in melee. I didn't do any melee all session, but that's what's going to be yeah, useful. Yeah, that in the seems future. silly. It make any sense. So, yeah, I, I, that's, that to me makes more sense. I think I used a certain skill load. That skill should should get better, not just I'm going to arbitrarily increase whatever I feel like because it's... Right. I didn't do it, but I'm magically better at it. And we don't talk any about the downtime. Yeah. So I think, we do uh, that. That's weird. Yeah, experience systems are weird. I think the weirdest thing for me is that I, I haven't seen that many different variations. There really are. And they just keep using the same ones. Yep. Reskin, different terms, different packages, yeah. different sets of options. But in effect, it, they're they're basically yeah. like all the same. Star Trek Adventures being an outlier. For, for me, the one I like, I, I like Warden XP. Just, you know, I just prefer milestone leveling. Yeah. Because like, you know, I did it. I, I, the classic one for me was um, 13th Age, which was, you know, knockoff of D&D. But they literally had an idea in it of, right, you're going to just play a 10-session game. And at the end of every session, you will level up. And it was great. I knew I could play 10 sessions of that campaign. And every time we played a new session, we, we leveled up and it, and it worked great. Yeah. And I've done similar things in other D&D, but it's not, D&D isn't really designed to do that, whereas 13th Age specifically said, you can do this. Yeah. Try, to, try doing this. So. Yeah, interesting stuff. It seems like a lot of different ways to do essentially the same thing. Anyway, I'll experiment with Star Trek. You maybe experiment, come up with some ideas for Conan, and we'll come back to this again in the future. See ya. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. You can visit our show's homepage at anchor.fm slash fluff and crunch. That's F-L-U-F-F-N-C-R-U-N-C-H. We would really appreciate feedback and reviews on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to this on. Thanks so much.